0: 640 Toronto presents Think Tank. Two guests, Toronto's Top Stories. Now, let's meet the guests. All right, we'll do that in just a sec. We're getting our guests organized. Let me remind you again that we run Think Tank every Monday through Friday, 7:30 through until 8 o'clock and often stimulating conversation and when it's not stimulating we just pretend it was we don't actually pretend it was it always is so that the pretending never really comes into effect here let's get right to it Tasha Carradine is author of the right path and a political commentator often uh, read her essays uh, smart cookie right there it's great to have you on Tasha I appreciate the time
1: Thanks, Greg. Great to be
0: here. And Anne-Marie Akins, uh, formerly of MetroLink's crisis and communications expert. Your phone must never ring or must always ring because it, we need people to communicate better. We certainly need our politicians to sometimes. And people are constantly in crisis. So you got both those those boxes checked, Anne-Marie, I figure.
2: Well, recently, yes. There seems to be, everyone seems to be in crisis. So uh, lots of uh, advice being given.
0: I bet, I bet. All right, we had a conversation earlier. You know, uh, both know on Friday, it became a big story. And I don't think it died down much over the weekend, even if we put our phones away and paid a little less attention uh, to encampments in the city. We had a spokesperson defending the encampments, Rafi Aaron, on earlier. I want you to hear what he said, and then we'll be able to react to it.
2: You know, it's interesting, this thing about, there being danger or something in an encampment. An encampment is just a collection of tents. A lot of the danger comes to the people in the encampments from outside because they're easy prey.
0: But that's a reason not to have them, isn't it? Like, let me push back on. That's a reason not to have them there because you said the the people in there aren't safe.
2: They're not safe, but they don't have any alternative. I understand that I need to have compassion and empathy and it may be an inconvenience and it may be an eyesore, but it's a lot better than having people isolated that we can't feed or support.
0: Okay. Emory, let's start with you with what we see in the city. And to be honest, we see in a lot of suburbs as well and cities all across Ontario. There's always a debate. What if it was your loved one living in the encampment? But what if it was your family home on the same street or right across from it, or the park where your kids wanted to play? And we can talk about those angles, but this is Mayor Olivia Chow's Toronto right now. And people are kind of surprised she's authorized um, the clearing of these encampments. Are you surprised at it, Emory?
2: I'm not, and I'm I'm not for this reason, is that uh, this has become a crisis, I think, across the city. If if you've ever been past Allen Gardens or I have been past the one on Dundas that was cleared, um, and and I knew people aren't going to tolerate it. Even electing uh, Olivia Chow with with her left politics, she would uh, have to do something. So it makes sense she would start with a smaller one that would probably be more orderly, which it was. Eight out of nine of the people accepted offers for uh, shelter. And that's really good. Um, so so uh, so I thought that's what was going to happen. I'm very pleased that it went as orderly as it did. Um, I what I'm going to be surprised in is how on earth she's going to tackle something like Allen Gardens because we yeah. aren't going to tolerate it much longer.
0: Yeah, I, I drove past Allen Gardens maybe two weeks ago, and I, it's three times the tents it was uh, in the summer. It might be 150, 175 different tents. Tasha, do, that's interesting what Anne-Marie brought up. Do you see this as is Olivia Chow, Chow kind of testing the waters here? A little bit of a dip of toe in and to see how the public responds?
1: Um, it might be that. I think also it is what you alluded to as well. The last thing you want is someone freezing to death in an encampment, right? The Ooh. temperature's dropped. We have a reality now. It's it's almost December, and people will die if they are outside in those kinds of shelters in the winter. And she doesn't want that either. I think this is what we have to really decide what's the definition of compassion? Is it letting people simply sleep rough in a park? Uh, where also, as Anne Marie really pointed out, it is not something that the neighborhood will tolerate because. It, you know, your guest said earlier, "Oh, it's just a bunch of people." It, it's not. There's there are problems with substance abuse. There are problem, People with problems preying on them to sell them drugs. All sorts of things that make the neighborhood then a magnet for crime and other problems. And that's why people don't tolerate it. It's, if people were just living there orderly and nothing was going on, I think it'd be a lot different. But you can't use the parks. Alan, I mean, I live near Allen Gardens. I pass a lot, and it it's heartbreaking to see, especially also people on the street. Who are obviously in distress, you know, on on um, Sherburne and Queen. It is it's heartrending. So we we have a we have a responsibility to do something about that, and we also have a responsibility to the residents who live
0: nearby. Tasha, is there anything you don't do or wouldn't do um, because of of what's in the park um, and your mom? Like, is there anything you don't do or wouldn't do because they're there?
1: Well. My daughter went to skating at Moss Park for years and, you know, it was, I had to tell her step over the needles, you know, don't be careful because when you're walking from the car, there's stuff in the parking lot and there are people hanging around as well. That honestly, it didn't feel safe. Sometimes I was with her, but you know, it was kind of, this is the kind of thing that, I don't think it's fair to have the rest of the community experience as well, um, especially kids. So, you know, that, mm. that community center is still there. That skating rink is still there. Kids still go there. Um, mm. But like I said, it, 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 it there's a balance to strike, and we're not striking it right now.
0: Emery, Emory, I know in Los Angeles, just in the last three weeks, their city council has approved a ban on homeless encampments within 500 feet of schools. 500 feet of daycare centers and that sounds great to me but then i realize by doing that you're almost enlisting the concept that it's okay anywhere except in those areas and i i get why city councils also don't want to do that either right
2: yeah i yeah i, I think that's that uh, that's kind of foolhardy because it does just as you said it kind of legitimizes them uh which is legalizing them in in other areas but uh I don't agree with making it illegal because that isn't uh, we can't um, legislate our way out, out of social problems like this. Uh, mm. we've known that for 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 centuries that it just doesn't work. So um we have to figure out how to build housing and the the issue with refugees and uh asylum seekers the, the the bun fight is is really getting on my nerves. It wasn't an issue uh, it's always been an issue housing them, but uh, they were accommodated within all of our other shelters. And at some point, we made a decision as a city to stop that. So that's why so many uh, um, refugees are out on the street. And it's very interesting that we we didn't make that decision until uh, it was refugees from Africa. We didn't do that from any other war torn country that was was uh, people were coming here. So. You know, we got to figure this out and stop arguing whose responsibility is and is just do it.
0: I'm so glad you said that, because, Tasha, I, I think someday, maybe it's a couple decades away, maybe it's sooner, we're going to stop having seen immigration as some kind of weird, always left, always right issue. And we're just going to call it what it is. It's a humanitarian issue that all of us should get behind and do the right thing for people. We, we can't be having people come here and live on the streets. And at the same time, we have to have we, we have to have proper borders. You can't just come to any country you want, any time you want, in any circumstance you want. And there's many other countries that have said we agree with this. And that doesn't make you um, close minded and it doesn't make you closed off or have a certain political ideology. That's just humanity.
1: Well, here's the thing. If you don't manage your immigration system properly, you get backlash. And that's what you're seeing. You're seeing it all around the world. You're seeing it in Europe, um, the rise of the far right, far right parties that are being elected because immigration has been, like you said, very open door policy. Immigrants getting a lot of benefits and there is a uh, social unrest and social upheaval that's been caused. There's not been an, as much integration as you need. And, you know, we pride ourselves on being multicultural. Well, here's the reality unless you do have some common values to get behind and everyone's on board with that program, you're going to have tensions. It's just logical and you need to be able to manage that and give people the right expectations. Like you said, you bring people here and then they're living on the street. Well, uh, they're not going to be happy about that either. It's not fair to sell people, a, a, you know, a story that's not true. Um, so yeah. we have to balance expectations as well.
0: Um, I want to dive into um, general elections and, and the ability to vote and the incentive to vote. And we'll get there. Um, I'm reminding people, Anne-Marie Akins and Tasha Keridan are with us on Think Tank. This is 640 Toronto and Toronto Today. We'll run this all the way till the top of the hour. Um, let's start with you, Anne-Marie. Ontario Liberal Party members went to vote this weekend sometimes the media is wrong in predicting winners all we've heard is Bonnie Crombie the mayor of Mississauga described as the quote-unquote front runner but I can't get a feel for this I will say most people I speak to don't see a Bonnie crombie first ballot win um if you want to predict I feel free but where do you stand on what to expect next Saturday when the winner is announced what do you think happens
2: well I I've, I've never I'm not involved in politics but I love politics in <laughs> I love to hate it. I think I love to hate it, but I, I, <laughs> that's the thing. But uh, I have been following it pretty closely, and I, and I do know a lot of liberals. And I have a feeling it's, it's a Bonnie Crombie Crumb- win. Whether or not it's on the first ballot, not sure. But uh, I think we're, the announcement's going to be a uh, Bonnie Crombie. And um, uh, I certainly hope uh, this uh, uh, that it lights a fire. Whoever wins lights a fire under this uh, party, and that uh, we really have a strong liberal party. I think if we have strong parties, we have a, yeah. a end up with a strong government.
0: Tasha, you were um, notably involved in the CPC uh, leadership election last year. That did go as predicted with Pierre Pauly ever winning on the first ballot. But we've seen a lot of these things, haven't we, where Peter McKay is ahead of Aaron O'Toole and then he's not. Famously, um, it it happened as well um, with, with several other parties where the first the leader on the first ballot, uh, Andrew Scheer, was behind Maxime Bernier. Same thing for the Conservative Party leadership back in 2017. So this does happen that, that we get this wrong. In the media, and, and the front runner doesn't end up winning in a ranked ballot system.
1: Yeah, it, it does. Um, I think in this case, we did see other candidates try and sort of, you know, gang up, as, as, as the word was used, on, on Bonnie Krabi, to, to get their their forces aligned to prevent her from getting um, first-ballot victory, if not a victory at all. I think she's going to win. I think that um, the Liberal Party, to Anne-Marie's point, it needs renewal right now. I mean, it is like Doug Ford calls it a minivan. Uh, you know, <laughs> it is it is a shadow. I put it as a shadow of what it was. Uh, but shadows can come back from, from the dead. Mm-hmm. look at the federal Liberal Party it was in third place back in 2011. And in 2015, it came to power. So you get the right leader. You get someone who people are willing to trust and say, hey, I will give you the chance. I believe in you. Um, and you can go very far, and I think that uh, you know the liberals liberals will be smart to pick a leader that that will do that. I think Bonnie Crombie could absolutely do that. I think it'd be a very interesting contest between her and Doug Ford. Um, if she becomes leader, so I look forward yeah. to those results. result. I'm not a liberal leader, but I'm, I'm really interested in what the party's going to do.
0: Alright, on that front, um, friends of mine were going out to vote uh, where I live in Ajax, but you had to be there in person between 2 and 7 p.m. on Saturday. No mail-in option, no online option. On a Saturday, I had a friend of mine who was coaching his kid in a hockey tournament up in Coburg, and he thought he could vote Saturday and Sunday, so some of that's messaging. Um, he, did, he got all these robocalls, he got all these emails from all four candidates left and in the five hour window of time he wasn't able to vote so i'll I'll bring this up to you tasha i worry in canada we sure don't make it easy to vote as much as we could and we also don't ask that many questions the united states turnout is often good because you vote for president and senator and congress and judges and amendments all on the same ballot federal and provincial we walk in we got one choice one day to do it and we mark one x do you think that's a factor in people staying home
1: Um, I think in this case, you've got to differentiate between the party leadership and general. I general voting um, has gone up and down depending who is running. That is something that's really a big effect. We've seen boosts when it's a popular candidate or it's a change election. Um, But you also have seen a decline generally in participation. And there's been suggestions on how to improve that, make it easier, online voting for example even lowering the voting age to 16 that's a conversation that's been had in countries several countries around the world um, and there's there's different tactics you could take i think in this case like i said it's a party leadership there's always an attempt to control that right by the party itself so they set their own rules and they're pretty specific
0: Yeah. Emery, what do you see in terms of political engagement? And I bring this up because, as you said, um, you got a love-hate relationship with politics. The last federal election during, you know, more more the height of the pandemic, I suppose, 62.3 percent of people still came out. But in Ontario, really poor, 43.5 on a nice summer day, summer evening, early summer evening on June 2nd. Do we need to give people more options um, so, so that more than half the people don't stay home?
2: yeah well, Tasha's is right on all fronts there, but uh the one thing i I think about what is our general elections we're getting a little better our mail in options we have uh uh the um uh prior voting you can do uh, ahead of time they open the polls early, so you can you can uh, vote early and then which there's a problem with that sometimes it's too early because things come to light just at the very last minute and you've mm-hmm. already voted so it's um uh, I think the more options that we have, the better. But I'm not sure the mail-in option actually has actually increased our voting record. I think it's voter apathy is getting worse and worse. But for by-elections, they're the worst. There's just very very little interest. You don't have, uh, you know, you don't have all of the uh, c- campaigns out yeah. there and so forth. So it uh, they don't see it on the front pages of the their newspapers that they write or uh, read, sorry, and, or online. They just don't see much about it to drum up interest and they have to be inspired in order to get out and vote. That's too bad. But I would love to see mm. some of the uh, things that Tasha offered lower at uh, um, the voting age. Uh, uh, online voting would really make a huge difference. And I think having more yeah. options when you wanna vote for your uh, um, municipal councillors, you know, we do vote for our, our mayor. But uh, we should do that more broadly
0: as well. Tasha, before we move on, would two days do it? You were mentioning Europe. I know Italy did a two-day election. Spain does that as well. Giving people maybe all day Saturday, all day Sunday. And maybe, I know people say, oh, come on, it's a weekend. But you do have more time. Uh, It's very difficult to make this work. Nine to five, taking kids places, doing this. We're all stuck in traffic now. Maybe the weekends would be better.
1: Well, it could be that, or getting time off your work to go vote. I mean, we do, I think, have, have the ability to do that. Of course, if you <laughs> tell your employer, I have to leave for two hours and they don't, you know, <laughs> the care. you may not want to do that. <laughs> um, but I think that it also comes down to what we value, mm-hmm. right? And we don't value democracy enough. You, polling for young people shows that the idea of the value of democracy has declined. Um, you go to countries around the world where they haven't had it, and you see people lined up, you know, in the sun. Uh, for hours waiting to vote and get that yeah. little ink on their finger. And we just take it for granted. So I think civic education is another big one to teach young people the value of democracy and the importance of voting, because at the end of the day, one vote actually does make a difference.
0: Um, all right. We don't have to revisit. Um, Pierre poly Everett got into an exchange with a CP reporter last week. Um, the reporter, she asked a question about him documenting uh, the terrorist attack, so to speak, on Wednesday that when it was deemed that it might be terrorism and he had a defense for it and he pushed back on her. But it feels like um, in Canada, we're more tied up with how opposition party leaders answer questions when questioned themselves Than we are from something like yesterday. I watched this. I'm telling you, it it was painful. Vassie Capella is one of the best interviewers in our country. And she had Christopher Freeland, the finance minister on. I want you to hear a little bit of this.
2: I'm glad you asked that question. And actually, that promise in 2015, um, for me, is very much a, a guiding impulse and philosophy of this fall economic statement. I still remember standing up with the future Prime Minister, then the leader of our party. Um, I think we were in Oakville. I think Paul Martin was there. Um, And the Prime Minister outlined, or the future Prime Minister outlined, this plan of investing in Canada and Canadians, investing in infrastructure, and running modest deficits. And that's a plan that I think you see carried through in this fall economic state.
0: Uh, It didn't get much better. Tasha, there's 46 (laughs) seconds. I mean, we're all next to that parent. And I worry sometimes I'm that parent where my wife will elbow me in the ribs and are like, there's too much detail in this story. But you're the finance minister of the country, and it's a nine-minute interview, and you spend forty-six seconds going back to something that happened in Oakville eight years ago. Tasha, we—am I, I wrong? Canadians should be more upset that that politicians don't say anything than when there's an actual give and take between a politician and a media member, shouldn't they?
1: What's she gonna say? They haven't kept the promise. She's distracted. I mean, what are you going to say? I, I mean, the, the spirit of the promise is alive. Let me tell you why. Like the ghost of promises passed. I mean, it is kind of pathetic, actually. But you know, what else is she going to say? Because the liberals. I mean, they're looking at $40 million, forty billion dollar deficits, rather that are like coming down the pipe for the next five years. It's been a disaster. Those aren't modest at all. So. I think in this one, uh, I I think Christopher Freeland is really not the greatest at being interviewed, period. But the word salad was a distraction. That's my my take on it.
0: Mm -hmm. Anne-Marie, would you advise a politician that was coming to you going, can I get better at this? Or would you be like, no, 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 you don't have a lot of good things to point out. So, yes, run that clock out. Tell stories. Tell anecdotes. Thank them vociferously for the question. How do you handle something like that?
2: Well, that's why I'm not in politics. because They they are advised to, uh, to do exactly that. Just keep talking and distracting. Them and then uh, people finally just look away. They have the, the shortest attention span, so they just kind of look away. But she's a natural at it. So Chrissy Freelander is a storyteller. She's like a teacher. And I often feel like I'm being schooled by her. Um, and I have no idea what the lesson is she's trying to teach me, but I'm still really stupid at the end of it. But, uh, well, that's kind of what that her, her style is really like that. So she's suited well for it, but no, I advise people to be transparent, open, short, sweet. So to talk to people so they understand and that they believe uh-huh. you. And, uh, um yeah she didn't really have any of that but, yeah you,
0: uh, you're you are better off advising ceos than politicians <laughs> to be open transparent and brief that that doesn't most politicians are zero for three in that maybe a half a half out of three sometimes we give them a half mark because they're semi yeah. uh brief because they don't want to say things sometimes that has to be yeah. a factor um oh, sure. i, I want to end on this um the ontario ndp are pushing a law towards queens park and it, it, it its basis, its genesis was a tragic accident that happened on the highways. But I'm going to tell you, I didn't know this was the case. They're looking to make it illegal to pass on highways with double solid yellow lines. So I'm going to ask you both as drivers. I can't look back and check your driving history. But Amory Marie Akins, didn't you think this was illegal already? Like this, this was something that your parents drilled into you. I never saw them do it. They told me not to do it. The driving instructor told me not to do it. I've never done it. Double solid yellow lines mean you absolutely have to stay in your lane, no matter how slow the vehicle ahead of you is. Isn't that, didn't we always think that was the case?
2: I certainly thought it was illegal. I thought yes. it was, really thought it was illegal. And I'm usually very careful about it because first I hate passing cars on a two lane highway. hate it mm. because, uh, I'm, uh, afraid of a speeding oncoming car. So, uh, um, I ch- generally don't do it anyway, but I really did think it was illegal. So I don't know. Did it change?
0: They're they're trying to get so it lost. towards yeah. They're trying to push it towards uh, provincial parliament so it changes as a traffic law. Tasha, did you know this? This was actually just discouraged as opposed to one of the one of the cardinal rules. You never do it because you'll get a big ticket.
1: Yeah, I'm with Anne Marie. I'm a chicken on two lane highways. I, I it's like not worth the risk. And if it's a double lane, I figure it's been put there because it tells you it's not safe at that particular type of the road. You don't have the the line of sight to oncoming traffic. Maybe it's a hill or who knows. So the fact it's not illegal, I'm shocked. I, I always thought it was too. Um, but, uh, you know, good on them for finally making it illegal. I do that will discourage the road hogs, mind you, because they still take their chances.
0: So That's absolutely accurate. Yeah, Yeah, yeah we, we can't be giving enough tickets out for road hoggery as it is. I, I loved having you guys both on. Thank you so much for this this morning.
1: Thank you. Have a
0: good day. Anne-Marie Akins and Tasha Carradine both joining us on Think Tank.